Thanks for tuning in to Freedom House Podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this church as we change our world one life at a time. We'd love to stay connected with you by following us on social media at Freedom House OC, as well as our YouTube channel. Let's listen in on today's message. Hey, so good to see you in church this morning, family. Man, I'm telling you, we serve a God that is undefeated. I always say this, you plus God is always the majority. You know what I'm talking about? So no matter what's, the Bible says, it tells us that no matter what's against us, God is for us. And if God is for me, who cares what's against me? Come on, give God a praise on that, somebody. So good to see you. Doesn't it feel good to be in church this morning? Everyone logging online, Costa Mesa campus, so amazing. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Josiah Silm, the lead pastor of Freedom House Church. And we are one church that meets in three locations, city of Fullerton, Costa Mesa, and also live online. And would you give God a clap? Welcome our Costa Mesa campus. What's up, Costa Mesa? So good to have you live with us and everyone join us online. It's cool that we can use technology uh, to be in one place, but broadcast all over the world. And I believe if Jesus walked today, he'd use technology. He would, he, he would use it not like some of y'all use it, but he would use it <laughs> to preach the gospel, say amen, you know, not about real time. So it's such a blessing to be able to use that, but um, what God is doing is so amazing. If you would grab your Bibles and remain standing for the reading of God's Word, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and when you walked in, they handed you a note sheet. It's a piece of paper. It's the points to my message as well as the verses we're going to read together, and as you're turning your Bibles there, let me just say before we, we, we jump into the message that yesterday... We got to celebrate this as a church family. Yesterday, we had our Fiercely Feminine feminine Women's event. Where's all the Fiercely Feminine ladies? Yo, listen, let me tell you, we need to celebrate this because, you know, every year we we host, um, you know, our women's events to minister to the women, but also different sectors. Our, Our approach to ministry is holistic. We want to see marriages thrive. We want to see men thrive, women thrive, our children thrive, our young adults thrive, our singles thrive. Come on, somebody. So um, we did our women's event, and the response was just amazing. We went ahead and we sold out one, one session, so we opened up a whole nother session. That thing done sold out. Come on now. I'm like, we could open a third, probably sold that out. But I just believe that shows the, the, the need right now. And we as, as men, listen, I know that all of us have been affected through this pandemic and all that's going on, um, but we need to be there for our ladies. I wish I had a better amen for men. Amen. We need to be there for our women, the ladies, that, that we would stand and, and let God touch their lives and move on their hearts. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's powerful seeing literally thousands of ladies just get touched by the power of God. And it, come on, give God, come on, we need to celebrate this church. There's an oppression over women and to see that take place I just want to honor my wife incredible message she preached she a firecracker for Jesus all of our staff and team I mean it was just special and also before I jump in the mess I want you to know what we're doing as a church to minister to women many you may not know this but as a church every month we give to support uh, women and help you know, get women out of human trafficking, help women that are abused, uh, single mothers. Every month we give, if you heard of the Dream Center, uh, we're a supporter of the Dream Center in Los Angeles. Matthew, Matthew, Pastor Matthew and Caroline Barnett are dear friends of ours, so we, get, we support them every month. Um, you do that as through our giving. Also, the Orange County Rescue Mission, Jim Palmer is a friend of ours. And I announced yesterday a third partnership that we're making, and we are going to begin supporting monthly Casa Teresa, which is a home. You can give God a clap. 
which is a Christian home for single mothers that have come out of domestic abuse or perhaps are contemplating abortion. And it's an alternative where they get education, counseling. Um, they can live there, no cost, diapers, everything. And we're going to start supporting that as well uh, as a third support to help women that are battered, women that are coming out of situations. Y'all, come on, somebody. And so that they can get to a place of power. Oh, come on. You give God a better clap than that. Come on, somebody. So we give to that. And I want you to know that, that maybe you didn't know that, but every time you give of your tithe, the portion of that is going to support that. And so that's just, I think, the right thing to do. Amen? So powerful. Well, let's jump into the Word. Y'all ready for the Word? We're continuing our Relationship Rehab series. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and they're going to put in the screens. You can turn your Bibles there. The scripture reference is in your notes here. But we're talking about relationship rehab in this series, and this whole series in March has been about healthy relationships. And today we're going to talk about the home. But let's look at Luke 15. We're going to read 12 passages of, of scriptures here. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus continued, and this is the, the, the common known story of the prodigal son, but I want to emphasize something perhaps you've never seen. It says, there was a man who had two sons. How many sons? sons that he have? Two. It says, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of my estate. In other words, give me my inheritance now, not when you die. So the father actually divided his property between them. And the Bible says not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had set off for a distant country and squandered all of his wealth in wild living in Las Vegas. Just kidding. That's not what it says. I added that. But he squandered all his, that's what the Bible says. Verse 14, it says, after he had spent everything, he, there was a severe famine in the whole country, a pandemic hit and everything shut down. Pandemic's not in the Bible, I just added that. But it says, and he began to be in need, verse 15. So when he had hired himself to the citizens of the country who sent him to his fields, he said to feed the pigs. When he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, no one gave him anything. He had such a rock bottom place that even the food for pigs started looking good to him. And that's why it's dangerous what you feed on when you're in a hard place. 17, when he came to his senses, and I pray that everybody comes to their senses in Jesus' name. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He says, I will set out and go back to my father's uh, and say to him. In other words, someone says, say, there's no place like home. He said, I'm going to go back home. Watch this now. To my father, I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. He says, and I'm no longer worthy. In other words, he's repenting. He's asking for an apology. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father's house or his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Someone say forgiveness. 21, it says, then the son said to him, father, I have sinned against, you know, a heaven and against you. I'm no longer, we called your son, whereas he was apologizing. But verse 22 says, but the father said to all of his servants, quick, bring the best robe, the supreme one, the Gucci one, and put it on him. He says, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Someone say restoration. 23, it says, but the, he says, bring the fatted calf and kill it and let's have a carnesada and celebrate. See, it's biblical right there. Carnesada is there. Anyway, all right. so, he says, kill the cow. Anyway, right. He says, let's have a celebrate. Verse 24, he says, the son of mine, what was dead is alive again. What was lost is found. So they began to celebrate. Amen. Here's what I want to show you. Most of us know this parable as the prodigal son. 
and rightfully he is a character in this parable. However, this parable is about healing in the home. And what I want to show you is that when the son hit a hard place, the first place he wanted to go was home. Because it has always been God's intent that a home would be a place of healing. But here's what Satan has tried to do, is turn what was meant to be a place of healing to make the home a place of hurt. And I want to talk to you today about how to bring healing to our homes. And man, I feel an anointing that I believe that if we can learn how to make our homes a place of healing, our homes a place of strength and encouragement, I'm telling you, we will change the world because we change our homes. I want to talk to you tell my message is how to bring healing home. How to bring healing home. Let's pray. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we thank you for your word. As we enter the portion of the service where we come to the incorruptible, imperishable, indispensable, infallible word of God. My prayer is that, God, we would just open our hearts to it. We wouldn't come with any presuppositions, any, any bends or, or jadedness. But we would just open our hearts, all of us this morning, every single one of us, Lord, to receive your word into our lives. Transform us. And today, God, I'm praying ahead of this, this message that you would help us bring healing home, to make our homes places of healing, not places of hurt. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. Give God a clap. You may be seated and just tell the person you came with, tell them, say, there's no place like home. Say, there's no place like home. If you want to click your heels, go ahead. No place like home. <laughs> Come on now. That's right. I want to talk to you today about bringing healing home. Bringing healing home. And I know this is true about you. I hope, because I know it's true about me, is I know one place the devil fights us is at home, <laughs> okay? If not you, then just pray for me, okay? I know some of y'all are perfect, and when you go home, there's like elevator music, and, and everything's perfect, and you just, you know what I mean? The, the dishes never get dirty, and, and you guys are all organized, so just pray for pastor. Come on, that's... How many of the devil fights you at home? Come on, raise your hand if you're the devil fight. I'm gonna raise my hand, okay? I see a foot in the back. All of us, come on now, right? The devil's gonna fight us at home, because here's the reality. Our Christianity isn't measured by how we act in church. Our Christianity is going to be measured by how we deal at home. In fact, I'll even go a little stronger and say, I believe that's the measurement that God has in our life. Because a lot of us, we know how to behave in, you know, at church. We know how to behave at work because you're trying to get a promotion or, or a raise and you know how to behave on the customer service line. But at home, it's going to be a good service, man. Come on. <laughs> At home, sometimes that's where we let our guard down. That's where we, we, we say we're most comfortable, but that's where we hurt the people that are closest to us. When for me, and I do talk to this a lot in our, our men's conferences, which, you know, the women's conferences are almost as good as the men's conferences. No, I'm joking. Come on, man. I'm joking. The women come out, man. They don't play. But, you know, what I teach the guys is, fellas, in my opinion, men, it don't matter what business deal we close. If you're not winning at home, you're not winning. I wish I had a better amen. I said, if you're not winning at home, you're not winning. Is that's the big deal. That's where we as men, in my opinion, that's the management of my manhood is not what I'm known for in the boardroom, but what am I known for in, in my living room? 
Can I get a better clap? Come on, somebody, all right, in my living room. That right there is the measurement. What do those closest to me say about me? What do those who know me, not as Pastor Josiah, but just at home? What do my friends say about me? That's why I'm always worried about people that don't have long-term friendships. Anyway, I better be careful with that. But, you know, it's like, how come you don't got long-term friends? Anyway, okay, uh, you know, it's because, see, we are known by those who are most closest to us. And I think, to me, that's the measurement of our Christianity, is, you know what, I am going to be somebody that's the real deal, not just out in the world, but at home. And this is my prayer, is that we make our homes a place of healing, our homes a place of peace, our homes a place of, of, of come on, somebody, of, of a sanctuary of encouragement. Now, it's not easy, real talk. It is not easy because that's where the devil's going to fight you the most is at home right there. And I love the story of the prodigal son. And, and many of us know this parable as the parable of the prodigal son. However, Jesus didn't call it. This is my parable of the prodigal son. In reality, this story is healing, how healing is brought to a home. And the truth is this whole story is reminding us that we're all the prodigal son and God is the father. But it's actually a parable of parenting. It's a parable of forgiveness. It's a parable of how do you heal homes when they're broken? And what I see in this parable are two roads, say two roads. There is the first road of the son who, when he hits a hard place, comes home to receive forgiveness. And the second road is where the father runs to give forgiveness. So on one hand, you have someone coming to get forgiveness. And on the other hand, someone giving forgiveness. And this scene takes place, the backdrop is in the home. And this is my prayer, and I hope you grab this. I pray that for us that are parents, that when our children hit hard places, that we have designed an atmosphere, in hogar, come on in Espanol si quieren, we have designed a place that my children say, if I could just get home. If I can just get to dad, if I can just get to mom, if I can just get home, I know that's where I'm going to get prayed for. I know that's where I'm going to get loved. I know that's where I'm going to read the scripture on the wall. I know that's where I'm going to go to mom's couch or dad's lap. That's where I'm going to get encouraged. Because the home is a place of healing. Many of us, when we got hurt, Home was the last place we thought of. You don't have to run to the connect. Run home. You don't got to run to Papi Chulo. Just come home. You don't, you don't got to go to the boys. You don't got to try to hang with the girl. Just come home. This... I want to talk about that. Two roads. Say two roads. Now, if, it's all, if we're all honest, it's easier to be the one asking for forgiveness. <laughs> right? It's easier to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? That's the easier one. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying, given the two scenarios, you know, most of us would probably want to be the one saying, come on, sorry, I messed up. I think the hardest one is when you're the one that has to forgive people. And there'll be times where you're the one who needs forgiveness, but I think the hardest one is when you got to forgive. 
That's when your te- Christianity is tested. You know? You ever need to forgive anybody? Don't point. Just anybody forgive anybody? Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. And this parable shows this reconciliation taking place between a parent and a child, but it's applicable to spouse. It's applicable to brothers and sisters or brothers and brothers. It's applicable you know, to families. And what brought reconciliation when there was a hurt was forgiveness. And some things you can't fix, they can only be forgiven. And forgiveness makes room for the restoration to take place. And forgiveness is about this principle, write this down, point number one, and this is really about you know, forgiveness in this point, but we understand that being hurt is inevitable, but staying hurt is a choice. And in this verse, in, in verse 20, um, you know, because we're all gonna be hurt. Like before I read the verse, we're all gonna be hurt, okay? Everyone is going to go through some type of hurt, you know, a family, a family hurt, uh, some type of relationship hurt, especially at home. But you only have two choices. Is the father in this story, in the prodigal son, or the prodigal uh, family, is the father could have either stayed hurt, I'm sorry, uh, he could have, you know, stayed hurt, or he could have operated in forgiveness and brought healing. And in verse 20, watch what the Bible says. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, some would say ran, threw his arms around him, kissed him, and he was able to welcome him home. Now, this was only possible because the father had already forgiven the, uh, the, the child before the child ever came home. Because the Bible says that when he saw, he ran towards them. And here's how you know if you're harboring unforgiveness. How do you feel when you see the offender? <laughs> Woo! You're like, I ain't feel with no compassion. Well, how do you feel when you see him? I, I, God, get him. Get him. I'm glad you reminded me, Lord. Get them. You know what I mean? <laughs> how do you feel? Here's how you know you bad on forget. How do you feel when you see their post? <laughs> oh, whatever. You know, they think they're all bad, but just unfollow them. Anyway, but anyway. Stalkers. Anyhow, so you know. <laughs> stalkers dead. The Bible says he saw. So he knew he, he so he ran because he already forgave him. The father had two choices, either to harbor unforgiveness. And again, this is applicable to all situations. Not just, this is not just parenting. This can happen you know, when a spouse sees the other spouse, when a husband sees a wife, when a wife sees a husband, when a brother sees a sister, when a sister sees a brother, when you see a cousin. You har- we harbor, and what happens is unforgiveness will always separate the home. And what he did is he said, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to bring restoration. And here's what the Bible says, Ephesians 4 through 2, it says, but be kind and compassionate toward one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So God is telling us to forgive each other because God forgave us, but he's asking us to have compassion towards one another because watch me now, we are all flawed individuals. Every single one of us needs forgiveness. Nobody is perfect. Now that's not giving permission for sin, but what I am saying is when it comes to relationship rehab, when it comes to bringing healing, there is sometimes no other alternative, but the only way you can move forward is to truly forgive and to say, I don't want to harbor unforgiveness. I don't want to live in this bitterness. I don't want to have resentment, but I want healing in my home. 
And this is a process. Now, unforgiveness is, is so, so toxic and so dangerous. Now, why does God want us to forgive? Like, why does God tell us, God, why do you want us to forgive? Like, you understand what they did to me? You understand what they're doing? God wants us to forgive because it's the only pathway some, to healing. But I think sometimes we have a, a, a misinterpretation, a bad interpretation of what forgiveness truly is. And if you want to take notes, you can write these down. If not, that's cool. But, but just here's what sometimes we think unforgiveness. We think that if we forgive, we're permitting what they did. When that's not true. When you forgive, it's not saying what you did is okay. When you forgive, what you're saying is, I don't want to live in hurt. I want to be healed. That's what forgiveness is. Sometimes, see, unforgiveness is, is, is a lie because unforgiveness, is, is, it, it, it keeps us stuck in a moment of history. So when you live in unforgiveness, it's, a, it's hard for you to move on to your future because you're still stuck in a moment of pain. You're still stuck in 1979. You're still stuck on that rainy day in 1984, and you know it was raining. And then what happened? What? And, and you're just you are stuck in these moments when God says, "I want you to move on into what God wants to do today." See, we tend to think the lie that unforgiveness protects us, like it's protect. But unforgiveness doesn't doesn't protect you. It actually robs you. It shackles you. It keeps you, you know, uh, in bondage. Unforgiveness is is thinking that you're putting other people in a prison, but the truth is, you're the one in prison. It, it's a lie. And God's like, unforgiveness will keep you imprisoned. And God wants us to be free from this. He wants us to live in a place of forgiveness so that we can be on a road to healing. Unforgiveness, people often will be in a place of unforgiveness because they try to punish another person. You know, uh, um, like you try to punish, in, in marriages, this happens where, where someone is mad and, and they're, they're, ha- they're unforgiving and so the, the home is, is, is broken apart and they're trying to punish the other person. Like, you know, you did this to me, so I'm, gonna kinda, I'm just going to hold something against you. And what ends up happening is it hurts you more because it's turning you into a mean person. And so you're like, you're like the judge, executioner, and the jury. And so you're, you're all three, and you're just, and you're like, and, you're like, and it's funny because you even forget sometimes that you're supposed to be mad. <laughs> like, well, that's right. I shouldn't smile. Mad at I'm supposed to be mean. Don't be happy. Be mad. Remember, get them, you know? And what you're doing is you're actually rewiring who you really are to be something you're not. You're living from pain, not from the person of Christ. And that begins to hardwire that you even, you just compound that. And you're like, I'm a mean person. I'm a mean person. I'm a bulldog. And it's, that's not even, it's like, I don't want to become that. Because the danger is you actually become the bitter person, the bitter version. Unforgiveness is a lie. You see, forgiveness, we think it's, it's giving a gift to another person. The truth is forgiveness is a gift to you. It sets you free. Y'all might have heard this one before, but unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping that someone else dies. You know, 
And I, I made that decision. Like for me, you know, I'm like, I, for, I, I, I forgive uh, because the truth is like, like, well, I'll get later on the message, but, but just the reality is, is I've realized that when I'm in unforgiveness, all it does is mess my day up and, and they're over there, you know, just, just eating a, a double cheeseburger from in and out and animal style fries and, and I'm all bitter and they don't even care. And, and why am I going to mess up my day if that's not even messing up their day? And you know what? I'm just like, God, that's all you, amen. All right. So God doesn't want us to be in unforgiveness. Now, when the father ran, someone say he ran to the son. When the father ran to the son, he ran, and although he ran on a path, there were some hurdles to restoring the relationships. And in marriage, in families, in, in homes, there will always be hurdles you got to get over. Always. And I'm going to refer to it like this. There are hurt olds. Hurt olds, you got to get over to be able to restore relationships. And relationships are never a straight path. They're always jump, 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 jump. You got to jump over the hurdles to see where God wants to take. Now, what is one of the biggest hurdles that happens? Let's jump into the scriptures. Watch what takes place in, in the prodigal son. Because the father got over the hurdle of forgiveness, but watch what happens to the home in verse 28. It says, the older brother, uh-oh, here come the siblings. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And the Bible says in verse 1, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. Liar. He's like, I'm a perfect child. There's no such thing. <laughs> I never disobeyed. Straight A's all the time. He says, yet you never gave me even a young goat. Never did a carnival. Never for me. He says, so I could celebrate with my friends. And so here's what happens in the home. Watch this now. Now the home is battling offense. The family is offended towards another family member. And now offense has entered the home. Point number two, write this down. If we're going to have, how we're going to bring healing home, you have to learn how to get over offense, offenses. Bring out the fence, bring out the fence, bring out the fence. Yeah, bring it out, bring it out, bring it out, bring it out, bring it out. Let me call up my wife, Pastor Rico. You know, I know you, you did a lot of preaching yesterday. You're going to preach with me right now. Amen. Come on. She's, come on up here. Huh? Preaching machine woman. Come on, somebody. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So watch this. Some will say offenses. Offenses enter into our lives, enter into all of our homes. And if we're going to have healthy homes, stay close with me right here because this is going to help somebody. It's not just the forgiveness, but it's the living offended, living with resentment, living with, you know, just kind of distance that holds us back. There's this verse in Ezekiel that talks about the Philistines and they always battled against the Israelites. But what, you know, you ever, yeah, I'm sure y'all read all the time in the Old Testament, the Philistines are always battling the Israelites, Philistines. It's like, why are you guys always fighting? Just stop it, you know? But here's why, Ezekiel 25, 15, it says, thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred. 
So what happened was generation after generation, they all had hatred towards one another and it was so old that they were divided that they were so used to fighting each other because of just past offenses, past hurts that they didn't even know how to live, how to get along. They had forgotten how to even be, well, you know, together, you know, as, as a family. And this is what happens to a lot of families is when you're, when you're walking, you know, you get married and, and it's all fantastic and, and, you know, you're like, I'm going to get married and it's going to be amazing. We're going to have 2.5 kids, and I'm going to have a golden doodle, and then I'm going to get a, a you know, a, 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 it's all behaved, and it's not going to poop on my carpet, and then, and then I'm going to buy a house, and, and it's going to be farmhouse with a farm-style sink, and then I'm going to get a, a beautiful, you know, a nice white picket fence, and, and my yard is going to be emitting no weeds ever, and then all that, but what we end up having is we have a dream of having a home that is healthy, but we let old hatred or offenses take place, and what we think was supposed to be a beautiful home ends up separating us and dividing us and homes have a fence get it a fence that's about as creative as I get okay tough crap <laughs> a fence it's gonna help somebody and we live with offended hearts and it brings separation division and Here's what Jesus said about offenses. Let me encourage you this morning. Luke 17, 10. This is good. Let me teach. I love to preach. Let me teach. Then he said to his disciples, who's Jesus talking to? To who? Church people. Say he's talking to us. So he's not talking to the world. All right, he's talking to us. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So God made you a promise. You ready for this? We're all going to receive a promise of God right now. You will be offended. Interpretation. Someone's going to get on your nerves. Interpretation. Somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. Interpretation. Someone's going to invade your space. Interpretation. Someone is going to say something that's going to, and it's going to be the people that are closest to you. He says, it is impossible. You will be offended. Like, it's going to happen. Guaranteed. Do you feel encouraged? Thanks, Pastor. Amen. Woo! That's why I came to church. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Just joking. All right. <laughs> offended it's gonna it's gonna get you but there's a difference between staying here and being offended so how do you know if you're offended you want to know how want to know how so, so go over there pastor me and go a little further 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 okay come close to my fence <laughs> come a little closer <laughs> and you're all agitated at home. Now I'm good. Come a little closer. Okay, y'all don't like dogs? Okay, come closer. Cat, you know. And we live offended. And we think this protects us. It ain't protecting you. It's separating you. It's distancing you in your home. The brother was offended. The, he's like, oh, and you did that. And there was separation in the home. And this thing is subtle. And, and, and there's offenses here. And there's separation here. And God's like, it's impossible for you not to be offended. But God is telling us, if you're going to be healed, then you're going to have to learn to forgive and learn to get over the offense. Not just say get over it. I said learn to get over it. Learn. God, how do I identify the offenses right now? Because offense is coming. Or maybe it's already here. A friend, 
family member, a spouse. Just, or maybe you're a child and you're mad at your parent and you're, you're offended. Living here, we think this protects us. No, it separates you. It separates you. And in this picture, stay over there, honey. Right, right. In this picture, I'm the offended one. Who's really free? Who's really bound up? You see the lie? Who's really the one in prison? Me or her? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Who's really in prison? Me. Who's really the one that can't go further? I stay in my little, my imprisonment. But I think this is protect me. I think this, this makes me strong. This makes you weak. This actually keeps you bound. It limits your worship. It limits your prayer life. It limits your peace. It robs your joy. It robs you from relationships. It robs you from your future. It robs you from building what God called you. Come on, somebody. So offense. It happens. It's hurtful. So what do we do? <laughs> I just want to leave it. Pause for reflection. What we do is we've got to learn how to get, well, how do I get over it? Here's how. Letter A, write this down. Here's how you have to know. Is that you've got to understand that when you're offended, overlooking the offense makes you the winner, not the loser. Okay. Makes you the winner. See, we tend to think that if I get out of my offense, I lost. I lost. And I'm not going to lose. Not this one. Because it's the principle. It's the principle. It's the principle. It's the principle. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to somebody and y'all ain't even listening. You're offended. You're offended. I'm even talking about this. You're barking at me. I'm trying to get close to your offense. You're like, oh, Rob, I ain't even listening, Pastor. When are you going to finish? You're looking at that clock. Some of y'all know how church works. You turn around, you're like, how much time we got? How much time we got? How much time we got? How much time we got of this? At 10 minutes. I'm joking. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, because we think if, I, if I'm not offended, I'm not going to let her win. And here's the problem. We are more concerned with being right than righteous. I feel the Holy Ghost. Proverbs 19, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this. It says here, I'll preach from the screen, put it on for you, you can't be team, so I'll go to my notes. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience, but it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Glory, kabod. It's, it's, so God says, in heaven, when you can get over this, God says, that's your glory. So let's be real. That's the, only, that's the only version I know how to be. Sometimes my wife offends me. Yeah, she does. Every once in a while, maybe like once every 10 years. I don't want to get in trouble. Amen. <laughs> Just kidding. Sometimes my wife offends me. None of the guys are going to say amen. Okay, that's cool. Leave me hanging up here. <laughs> I mean, you'll be like, I don't know what he's talking about, honey. I mean, you're just, I mean, he's poor pastor. We're all just going to pray for him. We're going to start a prayer chain. Poor guy. His marriage needs help. Thank God that he's preaching this sermon for himself. I'm just going to be here. And we don't deal with that. We're just so perfect. And sometimes our wives offend us. Count me out here, fellas. All right. Don't leave me hanging. All right. But I got to say, I know I have wisdom, but God says, a man of God and a woman of God, so this goes two ways. 
I have to have the maturity that I have to say, I recognize there's an offense, but I'm going to, watch this now, look over. Look beyond that this is not the limit of the place of my home, my relationship, my life, my friendship, my church experience. Because some of y'all offended about church. Some of y'all offended about pastors. Some of you offended at friends. As I'm going to overlook and say this is not the place where my life stops. But instead, I'm going to come out from around the offense. And I'm going to say, you know what, honey? Come on, give me my hand. And I know we ain't perfect. I got issues. You got issues. We got issues. But thank God we got a God that can look to our future and help us. So God says, it's your glory that heaven applauds you. Heaven says, now you get it. Now you get it. People are going to offend you. But never let an imperfect person stop you from a perfect God. Okay? She's not perfect. But I still got to obey God. Say amen. Okay, let, let, me, let me do this. You go back there. Because everybody loves the story sometimes of the victim. They did me dirty, pastor. But I'm going to be the big person. But Jesus fulfilled the scripture. This is good stuff, man. I'm telling you. Add 10 minutes. No, I'm joking. Here it goes. All right. Watch what Jesus says in, in Luke 17, 10. Because sometimes I want to read the first part. It says, he said to his disciples, impossible that no offenses should come. But then he says, but whoa. Say whoa. whoa. Look at the neighbor and say whoa. But woe to him or her, okay? Some lady's like, I see it was him. It's always him. No, it's just, okay. <laughs> or her, all right, okay? Because there's some, anyway, okay. Or her, it says, through whom those offenses come. So I have to manage my life, not just when I'm offended, but also, am I offending everyone? Do I walk around my house offending everyone. I mean, you just handing out fences like, like Home Depot. Bam, bam, bam. You offending your spouse. You offending, you know. And so we got to say like, whoa, God says. So in other words, I have to manage my life that when I come home, I'm not just going to say loose lips because it'll sink ships, but I got to be careful not to offend my spouse, my child. You know, that's what the Bible says. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't offend them. Build them up. So we have to manage that. Am I, am I a walking offense? <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. Because <laughs> some of us, we, we're like a walking offense. No amens. All right. Is we don't, like I said, everywhere else we're careful. We're on our best behavior. We come home and we just... Say whatever we want to say. Ah, that's just the way I am. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm just being real. No, that's being ghetto. That's not real. That's ghetto. Now I'm just being me. No, no, that's not me. We need you to be the godly you at home. In fact, if I could say it strong, if there's any place you should be most careful of your words, is at home. That's the place you should be like, I'm going to be on my best behavior when I go home. 
That's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the man of God. That's where I'm going to be the woman of God. That's where I'm going to be most loving. That's where I'm going to be most. Some of us, we forgive our coworkers better than we forgive our own family. We need to be like, no, when I go home, that's where I'm going to be godly. I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to pray. Why? Because that's my home, man. And I'm tired of seeing the devil rob my home. Tired of just coming home and this person, that bedroom, and that room, and that room. It doesn't matter just how I behave in the boardroom. How do I behave in my living room? Because I don't just want to be throwing fence at my child. So here's what, where's what maturity it says, but whoa, say whoa. Some of you are like, I know, whoa. Because they come home, they're like, whoa, here he comes, here she comes. Is I got to be mature to say, this is marriage, but it can apply to parent-child, child-parent. I'm sorry. Some of you checked out already. I ain't sorry. <laughs> they better be sorry. You know? I'm sorry if, if I've just been on edge and I've caused stumbling blocks and offense because I don't want this in our, my home. Have a family meeting. You know, bring your kids and say, hey, let's, let's all just put our, our guns down. Let's all put our, our fences down. It's been a difficult year. Let's all just start fresh. Let's all just say we're not going to be separated. We're not going to be at each other's throats. But we're going to bring healing to our home. That we want to make our home a place where we all look forward to coming to. Relationship rehab. Okay? So when we come home, we're not hurt, but we're healed. Let her be write this down. I'm going to move quick here because I'm out of time. Realizing being offended and staying offended are two different things. And then I'll get to letter C here. Letter C, write this down. Is when you go through difficult moments, um, write this down, letter C, because knowing vengeance belongs to God and not you. I'm almost done here, I promise. I'll be out of your way. Is you got to know that God is fighting for you. Say amen. amen. Now, I'm going to read you the scripture but before I read the scripture, don't use the scripture to be like, yeah, God's going to get you. God is not your hitman, okay? <laughs> Romans 12, watch what the Bible says here. It says, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay says the Lord. What God is saying is he is a God, a loving God. But make no mistake, the vengeance is his, says the Lord. So he views how we treat and God says, I am going to deal with my children. The Lord disciplines those he loves. I, it's okay, just pay attention. No, I'm going to man's, but just watch it. But God says, that vengeance is mine. In other words, it is not my duty to try to repay the people that offended me and make them pay, but it's actually my duty to give them to God and say, God, you're going to deal with them. There are two things in the Bible that God says are his. The first thing God says are his is the tithe, and the second 
is revenge. Now, the first, the tithe belongs to him, and I do need to talk about that because in this season, we need to know that my tithe belongs to God. God says, that's holy. That belongs to him. God's like, that, that's not even yours. That belongs to me. And God then begins to bring a blessing because you've invited him into your life. I'm not receiving an offering. Don't trip, okay? Like, oh, my God's going to tell offering. There's no offering. All right, that. But you need to have a revelation. Is that God says, that's his. And God says, don't touch what's mine. He says, if you touch what's mine, he says, you're robbing him. Why? Because it's a partnership. He says, you take 90, I get 10 but I give you the ability to produce wealth, okay? And God becomes your partner. You got the greatest partner. It's like, imagine if I told you, what if Elon Musk says, I'll be your partner. Here's how it works. I'll give you, uh, you give me 10, you keep 90. Who takes that deal? Elon Musk invented Tesla, okay? Great stock. So if, you, if he said that, who would say, I'll take that deal, I'll take that partnership? Okay, God says, I'll become your partner. You give me 10, you keep 90. And he says, and as you prosper, because God will never ask you for something that you don't have, he says, you honor me with 10, and I'll keep blessing your 90, and this business partnership will continue to go to new levels. So when you're in business saying, God, I'm giving you your share, and I'm not going to rob from my partner, and I got the greatest partner. He's not a silent partner, but he's a partner that opens doors, brings blessing and expansion. Oh, somebody say amen. That's just free of charge right there. My business is, I'm like, God, I'm gladly, I, I need you and my, as my partner, but anybody else. Amen. God says the tithe is mine, but he also says revenge is his. So write that down, revenge. So God says, don't touch my revenge. So here's what God is saying. This, but I got to qualify this verse because some of y'all are going to walk in and be like, that's all I need to hear, pastor. <laughs> that's right. But know that your dad, heavenly father, the people that offend you and do this, God's like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to teach him. He's going to teach us. In fact, the Bible says that if I mistreat my wife, God says he won't even hear my prayers. 1 Peter 3, 7. Read the Bible. God's like, oh, no, no. Josiah messing with my daughter? Okay. Oh, Lord, bless me. God's like, hmm. He will close the heavens on me. And I'll be like, why am I so friends? God's like, go back and get that right. Make no mistake. God says, revenge is mine, says the Lord. So what am I telling you? What I'm telling you is when you have, because sometimes, well, if I defend, I'm going to let him get away with it. God's like, no, I'm going to deal with him. Trust me. Your job is forgiveness and love. God's like, I'll get a hold of him, of her. I will talk to them. I, and I, so, so what my job is, is I'm going to give them to God. So come here. So I'm not going to offend because revenge is not mine, it's God. So I love you. All you're going to get from me is love. But God, he's going to teach you. <laughs> but God's going to show you. He's going he's, he's, he's to show you. I mean, I'm just going to forgive you. What you're going to get from me is love, prayer, and encouragement. But God, he's going to teach you. He's going to teach you. You can't be talking like that. You can't be mad. I can't change you, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Revenge is his. And touch my anointing. Do my... Come on, somebody. So he's going he's gonna to get a hold of you when you're driving. He's going to talk to you when you're over there. He's going to tell you when you're messing around. He's gonna, and so God, I'm giving them to you. But I'm not going to try to punish her. I'm just going to do my love is a spiritual weapon. Forgiveness is a spiritual weapon. And then God shows us how he wants to, by the way. 
okay, how he wants. I'll be like, oh God, how are you going to get him, God? How are you going to get him? Don't, 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 that's what I'm saying. Got to be careful. People, people, you know, start, revenge is his, says the Lord. Don't, don't do that. You got to mess up your relationship. Don't blame me. God told you, don't do that, all right? But the point is God is going to teach them in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you so much, honey. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, how many learned some in Jesus' name? Here's the prayer I want to lead you in is how to give it to God. Would you bow your head all across our campuses, Costa Mesa, watching online. Just put your hands out just like this. And I want to lead you in a prayer of giving it to God. I want to lead you in a prayer of giving your offenses to God, giving your unforgivenesses to God, and bringing healing to our home. How to bring healing home. Would you repeat this prayer to me? Say, Lord Jesus. Say, I now realize through your word. that the devil attacks my home and a house that's divided cannot stand today Lord I make a commitment to bring healing home through forgiveness forgiving those that have hurt me and asking for forgiveness for those that I've heard. Say this, say, I'm not going to carry offense, resentment, or bitterness because it imprisons me. And you did not design me to live in any imprisonment that is ungodly. So I make a decision to overlook the offense to see healing so at this moment I give my offenses to you God think about the person that hurt you say I give them to you God I'm not going to try to get even I'm not going to try to get revenge because revenge is yours so I freely give it to you you're going to teach them and show them in the method you choose in the timing you decide because you're sovereign so I trust you and I will act not from my pain but the person of Christ in Jesus name I pray amen come on let's worship God would you lift your hands sing it out thanks for joining us today we pray you were encouraged by this message Show us your support by sharing your favorite podcast on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom House OC today. See you next week.